So what do you guys uh, what do you guys think about that NCAA final game that we all watched a couple days ago? Unbelievable. <laughs> when Taylor or Gonzaga yeah, were when the best. One, it was amazing. Yeah, I don't need that. Congratulations, Gonzaga. <laughs> <laughs> so would they uh, be completely undefeated? Would that be Yeah. And that'd be the first time since since nineteen seventy six, Indiana Hoosiers. Okay, uh, you. That's what I thought. Speaking of uh, the Hoosiers, I don't think we talk about it on this show, but they they got a new head coach. You, you guys all see who that is? Uh, no, negative. Mike Woodson. Oh really? Really? Yeah. Okay. Shout out. He just came in. Uh... Oh, and uh, Fad Mata. Is uh, the associate AD huh. of, of Xavier fame, if I remember correctly? Yeah, he was a Xavier coach. Interesting. My favorite thing, well, one of my favorite things about Mike Woodson was just the he was a bottomless well of, of hilarious gifs from his reactions, <laughs> right? <laughs> And the Knicks did some dumb stuff, and he, you know, he had front row seats. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, just prepare to. Uh, it, it'll be great. It'll be perfect. Yeah. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year. To tell you the truth. I'm gonna be real with you, and I don't care if I get fined. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch Welcome Pacers fans, you are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 517, coming from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Joey Grafrida, the man behind the dials and season ticket holder. This show, we're going to deliver our verbal open letter to Coach Nate Bjorken. Plus, we've got a start of the week and an undegooglable. Joining me this show are all three of our analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First, from the high school home of Javison Brewer, Silver Spring, Maryland, it's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, Undebeatables? Shout out to uh, good weather. I think we're finally into what feels like spring. Certainly has sprung here in town. It was gorgeous today. From Indianapolis, Indiana, he's our in-house bartender, mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles. John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? What is up, Undebeatables? It is Thirsty Thursday. Drink up. And from Boise, Idaho, out west, it's our enforcer, John Harper. What's going on, fellas? Shouting out uh, Grant Hill, taking over for uh, USA Basketball from Colangelo. Mm. Hmm. 
Very nice. Very nice. Do you think that's an upgrade or do you have not enough data? He's a worthy replacement. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Um, before we get into the show, I'd like to remind you that this show is brought to you by you um, over at patreon.com slash undebeatables. You can support this show for as little as a dollar per month. Thanks to everyone who's done that uh, so far. Uh, again, patreon.com uh, slash undebeatables. Um, we've got uh, $1, $5, $10 a month tiers uh, with... with increasing benefits including uh koozies and access to slack channels and, and all that good stuff uh, koozies shipped to your home um as i mentioned at the top it's time uh it's that time of the year pacers i i think are uh, underperforming from from you know what we had hoped you know I, you know i don't think anybody's expectations before the season started were were uh you know uh, championship contention, but we're we're nowhere near that. Not even not even a little bit. And um, we got a we got a new coach who has done you know in, in certain areas um, been very impressive. Inbounding the ball is like fantastic. Like every basically every time. <laughs> That's an upgrade. It's been um, great. But uh, uh, th- I mean, I th- there's there's not a lot of things I want to pick on specifically. I don't, you know, it, it, um, that coach Nate it, has not been doing well. But but the the winning is not there, and it's it's a lot of the same team that we had last year. Of course, you know, uh, Oval Depot and and um, Karis Levert, you know, are, are swap spots, um, you know, for in our roster. Um, T.J. Warren out for the season. Um, you know, Jeremy Lamb's been hurt some. Uh, you know, it's it's, but largely it's the same. Um, and we're, I mean, significantly uh, uh, underperforming, in, in my opinion. So, um, I think we want to take um, the bulk of this episode to. I mean, we've got the answers. You know, we've we've watched the tape uh, when we have time, and. Um, <laughs> You know, we we've got the the distance. You know, we don't have like the the sort of hangups. We don't have the personal relationships with the players that that uh, you know are inevitably going to um, you know color your decision, color your 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 decision making, your coaching. Um, None of that pesky inside information. Right. Yeah. yeah. The day to day work of <laughs> running a basketball team. Yeah, we got none we're of that. We're here to just spit cold hard facts into this microphone <laughs> into coach's ear so if you're not coach nate bjorkren you know it's an open letter you can listen if you want to but uh, coach nate you gotta sit down listen to this um <laughs> we got some answers for you colson i know this is um uh you know something you you, you know you've got answers um where do you want to start on this well, I do have a, I have a lot of thoughts and, and maybe some answers. Uh, I, I want to start by um, by saying that this season reminds me a little bit of, uh, let's see, was it the, the 15-16 season? Uh, the, the last season of Paul George. It was a, it was a team that uh, kind of underperformed. It was always 
right around 500 or a few games below it. Um, it never didn't really seem to have an identity. We talked a lot about, you know, what does this team do well? You know, can we have another, uh, you know, uh, players only meeting and see if we can turn a corner? It was one of those seasons. And this feels a little bit like that. The way we solved that season, uh, the way we, we got to the playoffs was by bringing on Lance Stevenson. So I just want my first thing I want to say is potentially this team needs someone who's a little bit crazy, uh, super confident, aggressive, going to mix it up on the floor and in the locker room. And I'm just wondering if um, we need to sign Lance Stevenson for the remainder of the season. Mm. Joey, your vote? You... (laughs) Uh, you make a good argument. Uh, had me I don't. Lance. I didn't hear most of it. I just heard Lance and uh, <laughs> kind of blacked out after I mean, that. I mean, I I don't disagree. I mean, obviously, no surprise. I, I don't disagree. I mean, he's he's a spark plug, and um, you know he's um, you know he's a, he's a versatile. He can play you know several different positions, and he's um, I mean he's going to come in there and he's going to you know he's I, he's going to drive the team you know. Uh, further than they would have been without him. I mean, he's uh, greater than the sum of his own parts. Uh, <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's a little bit uh, tongue-in-cheek, but not totally. Like, I, I really do feel like this team is lacking a spark, and uh, that's what Lance provides. And I'm wondering if this is something we can find internally or whether, you know, bringing back old Lance is the answer. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I guess I haven't watched this team as much as I typically watch a Pacers basketball team, like, you know, game in and game out or whatever. Um, I sort of felt that this team has that joie de basketball, you know, in, in general. Um, I think that they're – some of the stoicness you may be detecting is – you know, from their floor leader, you know, Brogdon's a very understated, um, even keeled kind of dude. And for sure. Um, maybe they take after him a little bit, but on the flip side, the other leader is Sabonis, who's just, you know, an ebullient, you know, sort of basketball player. He's always excited and, and happy and all of that good stuff. Um, the, but I will agree, um, from one extent, which is that you don't, or rarely, I guess, have we seen those times where um, you see the collective will of the team is like, we're, we are not going to lose this game. Like, I'm going to, you know, make sure and get on the floor and dive and, and make sure that we win this game and do all the little things that allow us to win. I mean, you've, we've seen it in flashes, and um, certainly there are players on the roster, you know, Jakar Sampson is one name that pops into to my head that that brings that type of energy, that type of, all right, let's forget about the cerebral aspects of the game. Let's just go out and play basketball type thing. Um, so, yeah. And I, I would not say that this team reminds me of Paul George's last season. That season, I, I stopped, literally stopped watching the team. Well, yeah, that was not fun to watch. 
Right. So. But I, I it, it felt in the same way as like, what is it, the thing that we do well, and and how do the we kind of, of get out of yeah. this rut? Is yeah. is what I was thinking. No, you're right. That was a miserable season. This is is far more. This team is fun to watch, and I like rooting for all these guys for sure. I don't mean it like that. Right. But it feels like we're in a rut, and and Lance Stevenson was the way out of that rut. So I'm just just dipping back into that well. Well, what's incredible? So I missed the, you know shows last week um or whatever but i listened to them and you guys did a an excellent job and and i was the mood on that podcast was so so positive like um you guys were it was basically like we had turned the corner it was like <laughs> oh we got it figured out and now you know we're gonna you know integrate lavert and uh we're just gonna win all of the basketball games and then immediately we just have this um total stinker of a week um what happened you know like <laughs> like that's the thing that i didn't get is like yeah, yeah. i mean that is the sixty four thousand dollar question certainly i mean i still think that there are lots of things that we have done well this year right i think that the player development has been excellent i mean I, mm-hmm. I think if you look at where these guys were at the start of the season you know sumner uh sabonis as good as he was last year has played better than expectation um, you know, Miles Turner, maybe on a short list for DPOY. TJ McConnell is, I don't even know what to say about that guy anymore. I'm out of, <laughs> I'm out of superlatives, right? Gogo right. looks great. I mean, seriously, there's been a lot of really good player development that's happening. Um, it just hasn't translated into wins on the court. And, you know, so much of it just seems to come down to, to crunch time. I mean, we're middle of the pack on almost every category, you know, we're good at a few things. Um, yeah, I think Colson, you highlighted blocks, you know, assists, uh, and stealing and the steals. ball because yeah. TJ McConnell is, um, a world renowned thief now. Um, well, and, and, uh, you know, Turner is an amazing shot blocker, but like yeah. you could say that we're elite at those three categories. Sure. And the things that we're truly bad at are rebounding and, you know, Winning close games, right? <laughs> um, right. Those two things, um, and, and obviously, you know, winning in crunch time is, you know, a very packed stat, right? It's an accumulation of all of the things, um, and I'm hopeful that you know, with the sort of individual development that we've seen so far as the season progresses, as we get closer to the playoffs that will turn into a real team development. Um, obviously, we're not there yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am willing to say uh, in this in open letter to, to Nate that um, it's quite possible that what's going to happen is that next season all this stuff is going to come together. And then suddenly we'll be really good at offense will be really versatile on defense being able to switch all the time or do man to man or play a zone and we'll just be throwing teams off all the time um it's possible that this is just a huge learning curve and that that this is a slow play and that that the stuff isn't just gonna reveal itself right away um it's it's just frustrating because that's that's not how um this team has um this franchise has ever gone about it its business and not actually how they sold this season either um which is you know um 
we're gonna this is gonna be a development year and we're gonna be better the next year. Um, we're usually always competitive and and this is, you know, yes, we're still competitive. Yes, the East is a mess. Yes, we're only a few games out of the playoffs. But um, if this is gonna take a full you know year and a half to sort of uh, show itself, um, I'm I'm just it's making me nervous. That's all. So you would feel better if Pritchard at the beginning of the season had said, okay, we are getting rid of our old head coach and we're hiring this guy. We're super excited about him, but this is going to be a three-year project because we, you know, we like many of our core pieces um, and, you know, we, we just want to change the way that we play basketball and in the NBA, you know, whatever use the Barack Obama strategy you know it's not a you know it's a, it's a aircraft carrier or whatever it's not a speedboat just right. turn it yeah and not a speedboat right so um you'd feel better if that were the it's all about I, framing I, I think I would I think okay. I if they'd been a hey look look this is a three-year project and uh this first year is going to look a little messy um, okay I don't know I mean, I feel like at some level, maybe we should have been smarter as basketball fans to <laughs> sort of realize that that was going to be sure. the case, right? Because no off season, <laughs> no off season, a, a a a brand new head coach, a first time NBA head coach, um, and a season where we knew there was going to be rumors and possible Oladipo movement, you know, early on, right. um, that that would lead to some turbulence i guess or whatever. this would be a season of transition a transition yeah, yeah yeah exactly going into the season maybe my expectations were a little bit more tempered uh but we just looked so good at the beginning of the season right mm, we really did yeah <laughs> and, and and that really got me flying pretty high um you know obviously that was you know without depot and you know we still thought tj warren was coming back but but things looked really good one thing that we did really good at the beginning of the season that i feel like we've let slip a little bit is just the ability to get to the rim i mean at the beginning of the season we just we did a really good job of you know putting our head down and getting to the rim and if that wasn't there kicking it out right um we've settled in more with three-point shooting and by and large have done a good job with that and building our offense around that um but it's basketball, right? And when the shots aren't falling, you need to know where to go to find a bucket. And, you know, that's one thing that we do need to improve off. I'm hoping that Karis Levert, as time goes by here, as he gets more comfortable in the system, is going to be the guy that can slash the lane for us. Um, he definitely does a great job creating down there. So I'm hoping that that will start solving some problems for us. I agree with that. I, and I think that that was part of what got us that San Antonio win. Like, we were just relentless at going to the basket. And, you know, it helps that San Antonio doesn't have a lot of, uh, you know, rim defense. <laughs> but we didn't settle for three-pointers, you know. Uh, we, we attacked the basket. Uh, I think Sumner has earned his way on the floor because that's something he does, especially in the open court. Um, he's just fearless and willing to attack the basket. Um, so... Um, I agree with you. I think that that matters a lot, and 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 we've gone away from that a little bit. I I also I, I keep I keep harping on this idea of sort of scrappiness or toughness. It's this thing I've been kind of hanging on to for the last you know three or four weeks of why are we losing these games? 
I really I think our team's very likable, but they, they it seems like they're all just really nice guys. And and um, I I really liked uh, that uh, second unit, which is our sort of C team against uh, against San Antonio. Um, Bataze is willing to mix it up. Jakar Sampson is. Aaron Holiday is just oozes confidence. And um, TJ McConnell uh, is, of course, just the embodiment of scrappiness. And um, Keelan Martin, I thought, was really fighting for his NBA life and, and showing it on the floor. And I really liked that intensity. Um, and I think, you know, not that McConnell isn't seeing a ton of minutes, but I think those, those names that I just mentioned need to see some minutes because um, I think they really – I think they provide this thing that that I'm not seeing enough of. Now, now Turner got to see a lot of minutes in that game because there was no Sabonis, and I think he does well when he has a lot of time to kind of get his groove and 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 kind of be the only big man on the floor. Um, but he's still not. I don't describe him as like scrappy or tough, you know. But I thought he played well in that game as well, and he he has a lot of confidence, especially if the shots going down. Um, he can be really dangerous. So I, I, I just, I think, I think I would suggest that, you know, maybe that was the whole Lance idea, right? I mean, there, there, there's some, there's something that we, the, the, the way you lose games in the fourth quarter is you, you let them go. <laughs> you let them be taken from you. Well, that's right. I mean, I mean, there's a couple of different ways, right? You, you, you know, yeah, exactly. You let the game get taken from you. You, you don't win the 50, 50 balls and you don't control your own defensive glass um, or you execute poorly, right? And so turn the ball over, yeah. right? Exactly. So you see this a lot of time with with young NBA teams as they just as soon as the defensive pressure comes up, which it does in the, every fourth quarter in the NBA, especially the last five minutes, then mistakes start happening, right? And we've been really covering our bases doing both, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, the, so that is the thing that has frustrated me about this team is that. You know, that's something that I did not expect. Um, you know, one of the things that was exciting about Bjorkren coming into this was that he was a, a, an offensive guru at some level and, and would design sort of systems and plays that w- would allow us to execute down the stretch because that was definitely something that we were frustrated with before. You know, we you know, talked ad nauseum about turnovers off of inbound plays and stuff like that. And so to see the, the sort of almost lackadaisicalness of offensive execution down the stretch is, is, has been very frustrating. And to go back to this toughness thing, right, yeah, you know, Harper, you brought up that the thing that we do, one of the things that we do really, really poorly is rebound, right? And that is a toughness thing. Like, that is a, those are 50-50 balls, go get them. And we do not do that, by and large, you know, very well. You know, part of that is, you know, a lack of general size. We play a lot of, you know, three-guard lineups and stuff like that. But the other part is, you know, Miles Turner, to get back to your point of not being a, a tough guy, is, you know, seven feet some number of inches tall, and he does not go get rebounds, even in games, you know, when Sabonis isn't there to sort of take them or whatever. So... I mean, that's a that's a real thing that that needs to be solved. You know, what I expected this team to do was sort of implement these systems and, and players to 
to find their roles, which were going to be different. And I think that we have done that, right? And so the progression was going to be, okay, now let's figure out what the new system is. How do I fit into that system? How do I excel in that system? And then, right, the last piece is sort of bring it all together and um, learn how to win basketball games, right? Because that is the, really the art of the NBA, right, is how do you win basketball games? All of the little elements are fine. And, and you know, the, the cliche about the NBA is you don't even need to show up until the fourth quarter because mm-hmm. that's when things happen. That's when it matters, right? And it's not completely true, but it it's pretty true. Yeah, <laughs> like, pretty true. I mean, Just got to stick around for, when things you know, happen, so. 43 yeah, yeah, if you can get a 20-point lead going into the fourth, then it was worth showing up for the first three quarters. But otherwise, right. yeah. <laughs> and so I think that's the last step in our sort of progression right is to to figure out how to win ball games and that may take the whole season i don't know yeah i guess like i've been i sort of sort at the top like i i've been relatively happy with 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 uh a lot of the bits and pieces of this but yeah like the wins just aren't coming and jason you're right like this you know Having this team learn to to win, I think, is probably the last step. But it's like it's like it's frustrating as a fan, you know. To to, you know, we 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 for a long time as Pacer fans, you know, we, we've been kind of in this like uh, lower half of the bracket, you know, the the playoff bracket, right? Where you you don't get in the lottery and you and you, well, we we've been getting <laughs> getting swept out of the playoffs is what's been happening in the first round. Um, and I mean, we're we're worse than that right now. Like you know, record-wise, standing-wise, um, you know, we still, you know, if the season ended today, we'd still be in the play-in. You know, and and you know, maybe we can we can have an exciting game to to you know, exciting game or two to get into the first round and get swept. Um, <laughs> extra. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we, we we've got to get out of this like chunk of the uh, you know this sort of area of the of the bracket if we need to if we're going to move forward because joey, joey are you calling for tanking n- no i'm just saying i like, feel like you're calling for no, tanking right now i i want to get just do better is what i want you know well, yeah. lance's lance is going to get us there obviously but like <laughs> um i mean but yeah it's it's not that you know not that i don't i'm not saying tanking but but having us in this spot is not because I, I like the personnel we have like i really do like i really like the players on the floor I, you know, the coaching staff has been, you know, like I said, I, I, I like what we've done, but, you know, I li- I think that m- maybe, the, you know, the issues for, for some of these guys, like, like, like the leaders of this team, like they're new in this sort of like leadership role. And, you know, I think Brogdon is a natural leader, but, you know, he's just not had enough, you know, reps, like a bunch of these guys have not had a ton of playoff success, you know, on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly like while they're leaders, you know. Um, I'm hoping that the answer is that we just need more time. Colson, when are you gonna? You, this is an open letter to the coach. You've got his ear. When are you gonna? <laughs> when are you gonna rip a new one? <laughs> no, no. I, I've already told him that I think he's too positive on his uh, his press conferences. Uh, when things are falling apart, all he does is talk about how good how good things are. He's like, you know, we played great basketball for the first three quarters. And you're like, yeah, 
You want a good table flip, is what you're looking for. Yeah, right? I mean, I mean, look, I mean, the thing is, I, I'm, I'm all about the power of positivity. I think that stuff matters. Like, I don't think you want to get berated every day. That's no fun to go to work that way. But, um, huh. you know, I also I think that, that, that Brogdon is is probably a cerebral leader. Um, I think he's probably a very thoughtful leader. Um, I, you know, again, it's just, you know, is anybody being fiery? Is anybody getting, you know, asking for a little bit more in a fiery way? I don't think that that's how you want to to uh, have your everyday exist, but like I think occasionally it's useful. And I don't know who that guy is on that roster or in that locker room. How about this? So you called for Lance Stevenson. That's a no-brainer. But what about uh, bringing in uh, Evan Turner in to spice things up a little bit? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Just so they can have a fist fight in the locker room is that what absolutely goal? Yeah. yeah it's like it's like when the when the rest of the team sees that they like you know they don't want to go down they don't want to go down that path you know okay we <laughs> snap should, right into lock yeah exactly so you're just bringing in Ever Turner as a fall guy to get beat up by Lance is that your plan that's I'm just saying you're a I'm mad genius the, Joey I'm just saying I'm gonna set up the scenario whatever Master happens happens. <laughs> His title won't be a sparring partner, but yeah, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> when they hand him his business cards and that's what it said, he's like, wait, wait a minute. When he signed a two-day contract, he might wonder what's going on. <laughs> oh, man. Do, do, we, do we fix it? You know, we, we do live legitimate have legitimately have you know injury problems. You know that's been you know missing T.J. Warren for the whole season and Karis Levert slash you know Oladipo. You, that that roster spot was was empty for for a, you know a pretty long time. So I mean, I think that's you know that's certainly going to factor into this you know being under five hundred, just missing. You know, just sure, sheer talent. Yeah. And, and during the roughest part of the schedule, basically. Yeah. Um, right. And, you know, again, like, by the time we record next week, if we've swept the week, you know, we'll be singing a different tune, basically, and, and saying, like, oh, it's all making sense. It's and we'll still be one but game it, below 500, but we will be singing a different tune. <laughs> right, exactly. But <laughs> So, to summarize, I think the things that we would like coach nate to figure out or or convey to his team are be tougher and yep. uh win in the last five minutes don't <laughs> don't cower from the last five minutes like embrace the the pressure you know yeah you don't want this to be i mean i mean that's and that's all i'm concerned about right like like i uh if if next year is going to be the year of success because we've integrated all this stuff, that's fine. But I don't want there to be like a culture of losing or, you know, some sort of doubt in this team's mind that they can't win in the fourth quarter. And that's and that's the concern I'm getting because we just keep losing in the fourth quarter. Right. Which was sort of the, you know, the first couple of years of the Oladipo era, right? That was sort of the thing that made those teams special is you felt like we had a chance in every mm. game and that we not only that we had a chance, but that we were going to win. Right. We won more often than we lost in those right. close games. Exactly. And, and these days you don't feel like there's a guy that, you know, 
takes the game by the scruff of the neck in the last five minutes. Like there's, we don't have that yeah. player. Well, like uh, the, the, well, the yeah. losing is not an option. Right. And we do have that player. He's just not a hundred percent yet. Right. Karras is Who's that? Okay. Karras. Karras. Okay. Yeah. And so, you know, the guys, you know, like I said, I was listening to that San Antonio game. And I mean, I guess that one of the sort of themes since Karras has gotten back on the floor is that players, Brogdon, Turner, Sabonis, sort of the leadership of the team have been urging him to be more assertive. Like he's definitely been more deferential than he, you know, was in Brooklyn or whatever. Like, and and they're like, no, dude, like you got to be the the guy or whatever. You know, take your shots or whatever. Um, and so maybe we see that progression. Maybe that's the last, you know, piece of being good in the the last five minutes is give the ball to a dude that can get a shot and get a bucket and you know make tough shots or get to the line. You know. That'd be nice. Yep. All right. So, Nate, uh, Coach Nate, I apologize. Uh, there's your answer. Take that back to the team. You know, uh, spice it up a little bit. Well, you know, put your own spin on it. Uh, so everyone doesn't know. That's This is, uh, I mean, this is pretty textbook undebeatables. Just take a problem, <laughs> slap Lance on it, call it a day, you're good to go. <laughs> We really are a one-trick pony. Yeah. <laughs> we really, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to throw out the uh, the uh, five-man uh, lineup that is the uh, number one plus-minus in points right now for the team. Uh, T.J. McConnell, Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, Dougie McBuckets, and Goga Bataze. They're plus thirty-two in points. Um, Plus seven in rebounds, plus ten in assists, plus two in blocks. So maybe that team should see some minutes. Wait, they're plus. T- wait, Miles Turner is not on that. Correct. And we're plus in blocks. So you're saying Correct. Miles Turner needs to. I'm not play saying that. Us. I'm saying that uh, That's our, our, our That's third best lineup <laughs> is. Uh, uh, T.J. McConnell, Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, Doug McDermott, and Miles Turner at center instead of Bataze. And they're plus 20 in points. Uh, plus, yeah, they're plus four in rebounds, plus one in assists, plus four in steals, and plus four in blocks. So you put Miles Turner in there instead of Bataze, and it gets better. So anyway, the rich like, yeah, let's, get let's play our two leading scorers way less. <laughs> that should solve our scoring problem. I'm just just letting you know what the numbers say. We should zag while the league is zigging. Coach Nate Bjorkman is uh, supposed to be an analytics guy, right? He's the new he's the new uh, era of coaches. He should be looking at these numbers. He knows that Sabonis and uh, Brogdon apparently mean nothing to this team. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Our second best think- their second best scoring unit has Brogdon and Sabonis. I'm just saying. You think he looked at uh, Sabonis? He's like, "Look, you're you, you know, your leg hurts today." Come yeah, on. why don't you take the night off? We're trying to win a game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, I think we got that solved. Good job, guys. Appreciate sharing your knowledge with the with the coaching staff. Do you think he? You think he does listens to himself, or does he make one of his assistants? Uh, Summarize it. 
Ooh, that's a good question. I, I bet he just... You gotta go straight to the source, you know? Yeah. Well, we know Nate McMillan did not listen. We know that he had somebody listen for him. Because he always did the stuff that we wanted, but it was always, like, very specific. Like, because we're, you know, when we... Right, right. You know, we're very nebulous when we give this advice. So he clearly had somebody listening to it, filtering it, getting the right answer, and then giving it to Nate. Right. Yeah, it always seemed like somebody was, like, taking uh, uh, notes, like an outline, and they would, like, get all the points, you right. know? But they didn't get the soul of what we were saying, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think McMillan knows what a podcast is, honestly. That's, that's a fair point. Joey, stat of the week! Uh, as is often the case, my stat comes from space. <laughs> <laughs> and this space is deeper space than normal. This is, uh, part of this is not new. Um, I don't know if you guys uh, saw this, but uh, in, in 2017, um, we, we had a visitor from the stars from another solar system this is the first uh first visitor from outside the solar system it's it, it was not a comet it's not uh, uh they weren't sure where it was exactly it was a, an object the interstellar object his name is oh hold on it's it's hawaiian i don't i don't say these uh, i don't make these uh, noises out of my mouth very often uh omau mau uh amuamua amuamua that's what it is um, and it, it stands for, um, or not stands for, but it's Hawaiian for messenger from afar arriving first. So um, this is an object that came in from outside of the solar system the first time that uh, we've observed this. Um, all the other things have been somewhere, you know, either in some sort of uh, orbit around the sun. Jason, you look, you look confused. I am not confused, but I'm re- ready to learn more. So, um, there has been, it, it looked weird, um, it looked weird, like it did not behave or look like, um, other objects, um, that were like, or sort of, you know, seemingly similar, um, like they weren't shaped like a comet, it wasn't looking like an asteroid, like none of those things, it didn't, um, it didn't look quite the same, and so there was, um, a lot of, uh, discussion about, like, the, the makeup of it, and origin and all that sort of stuff. Um, it's like cigar shaped, and and um, it didn't have like a comet, you know, has like the the sort of tail, uh, and it didn't it didn't have all those things. Um, the shape was was um, odd. The stat is is uh, it is moving 44 kilometers per second. It came into the solar system. I think I mentioned t- in 2017. It was not seen until so it came in to the solar system in 1995 um but it got to um it it got in between the or it was like inside the orbit of mercury um and uh to the to the sun it got like that close to the sun and uh, we picked it up uh, on earth in late 2017 and it's not going to leave the solar system until 2040 so it's uh not super duper fast but they, the, the big, um, t- two things happened very recently about this. One was um, one astrophysicist uh, uh, that has been researching this um, released a book, he wrote a book and, and was saying that uh, 
he believes that this this object is uh, um, an extraterrestrial uh, like ship um, in, in you know coming to uh, uh, visit us. <clears throat> but the the research that was sort of uh, published this last week made it. Uh, there's a lot of things that lined up saying that this actually looks like a huge chunk of frozen frozen nitrogen, um, which is. Uh, uh, and the odd shape is because it bur- a bunch of it burned off when it when it went by the sun. That's a lot less exciting. Uh, <laughs> it is a lot less exciting, but um, sometimes the truth is is not as fun as uh, <laughs> as that. So we've got interstellar visitors. So do we know that? Obviously, I guess we know the trajectory of this thing because we know it's going to leave the solar system at, at some point. Right. Like, is it orbiting around something? Like, I mean, I think that there's rarely are things just sort of spuriously moving through space, right? Right. Yeah. So the answer seems to be no. Um, it does not seem to be. So the 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 leading uh, one of the leading. Um, uh, theories right now is that it's um, it, it could be from the surface of a planet that uh, got corroded at some point yeah. um, by either um, like uh, getting too close like if it got too close to the sun and just the the tidal forces ripped it apart um, and then this chunk just flew off like an exited you know um, from an explosion type thing um, exited another solar system and just started cruising cruising. Okay forever ever because um, it's it's coming in yeah they said it's not it, it's not in orbit around our sun like it you know it came in and it you know it bent you know with the the um its trajectory changed you know uh, a fair amount from from going around the sun but it, it doesn't look it's not coming back okay so, so it's just like boomeranged its way yep exactly yeah exoplanet kerplosion yeah that's what it seems like I mean, look, good chance it was uh, from the Death Star. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but uh, it looks like, so They it, there's a, a video, in the link in the show notes, um, there's like a video that along with this, with some like uh, further discussions, but um, the new research was, was saying that the re- reflectivity was a lot like um, the surface of um, Pluto, which has um, the sort of like the same sort of frozen... Uh, nitrogen nitrogen ice Uh, yeah nitrogen ice Um, so they think this thing is just a huge chunk of nitrogen ice that just just cruising uh, through the galaxy I guess so that is cold as hell yeah seriously Um, nitrogen ice just big chunks of it are just cruising anyway I think it's cool and it's the first thing that uh uh, has come in from another solar system. That we send our crap that we've seen. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for sure. All right, we are out of time for an Google this week, so you'll have to uh, slide back in your seat, come back from the edge. Uh, <laughs> Check out the Saturday show if you're on the right. Google feed. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Uh, last week... Um, was the Easter Bunny uh, timely? If I do say timely. so myself, 
yeah more timely than uh, than we could ever be <laughs> Colson, you got a, a special shout out right I do have a special shout out uh last week uh Elgin Baylor died uh, and um he was 86, so uh, far too young. Um, but um, Harper and I did our top 25 players, top five at positions of all time. Uh, Elgin Baylor still uh, was on our uh, top five of small fours of all time, uh, even though he was drafted in 1958. Um, this guy was the real deal. He was uh, 6'5", 225 pounds, uh, so big for the time, but... His ball handling skills had never been seen before. Um, the kind of guy who would just grab a rebound and run all the way down, sort of a, a Charles Barkley before a Charles Barkley. His career is absolutely incredible. Um, he was an 11-time All-Star, um, a 10-time uh, All-NBA first team, uh, as well as Rookie of the Year. There's only uh, two people that have uh, well, there's just 10 players ever that have won at least uh, 10 All-NBA first teams. Um, and only Carl Malone, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron James have more. Um, his scoring average, career scoring average, was 27.4 points per game. That's still third behind only Wilt Chamberlain and Michael Jordan. Mm. Um, he ranks 11th in rebounds per game all time and is still in the top 30 in player efficiency rating, field goals, free throws, and total rebounds, and this guy was playing in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Um, a ton of great stories came out, and we'll link to a few of them um, after his passing, as these things tend to do. Um, an incredibly influential person in, in uh, early race relations in basketball, um, and had to deal with a lot of bullshit, and um, held his head high in a lot of messed up stuff. Um, and uh, he also was, he was also, I, I think it was the, he was working for the um, National Guard or the military where he would uh, have to leave. He would get uh, weekend breaks and he would go play basketball on the weekends, but then he would have to spend the rest of the week um, with the military and he was still like dominating teams. Also uh, just sort of lost the time in the sense that he never won a ring. Um, in fact, the year that the Lakers won their championship uh, in 1972, he, um, he retired that season because he thought it would be better for the team chemistry. Um, and they went on to win a championship. And um, he could have easily stayed on and stayed on the bench but decided to walk away and, and um, never got a ring. I think they gave him a ring for it, but technically never played on a championship team. So, uh, But played in a ton of finals. Um, and uh, just one of the greats of all time, and people don't think of Elgin Baylor when they think of uh, the greats of all time, but he was one of the best and one of the reasons. He was one of the first modern basketball players, and I uh, just wanted to give him a shout-out. From D.C.? So. Oh. Great right. D.C. basketball legacy. Will be missed. All right, team. If there's nothing else, then uh, we will get uh, – moseying out of here um, we'll be back with you next week on Monday uh, recapping all the previous uh, week's Pacers games um, probably dropping a little bit of knowledge along the way you know, we got extra so it just kind of falls out uh, as we go but um, until then you can hit us up on uh, social media we're on Twitter at Undebeatables we're on Facebook 
facebook.com slash the unbeatables uh, website the unbeatables.com is a contact form there you can use that to send us a message and uh, email shout out at the unbeatables.com and of course uh, the website slash store to get you a, a beautiful unbeatables t-shirt for the architect Donnie Walsh and our once and always Hall of Fame coach Bobby McClendon Turn out the lights. The party's over. It's fun to look at these old Elgin Baylor box scores. There was a game he played in 1960 uh, against the Knicks. Uh, played 45 minutes. <clears throat> dropped 71. Ooh. And grabbed 25 rebounds. Uh, on, yeah, 58% shooting. Went 28 for it. 48 from the floor. <laughs> 48. He, he got his shots up that game. Yeah. Um, he's he's one of only four players to average more than 25 points and 10 rebounds per game for his career. Um, Chamberlain, Carl Malone, and Bob Pettit. The other three. Here's another game. In 1961, he went for uh, 45 and 30. Uh, that game was against the Cincinnati Royals where Oscar Robertson also went for 45 and had 8.8 rebounds and 80 cents. He scored uh, 61 points and 21 and 22 rebounds uh, in uh, game six of the 1962 finals against the Celtics. It's the highest scoring single game performance ever in NBA's finals still today. Wow. Cool. Did you guys happen to see uh, uh, Bill Russell's uh, tweet that came out on uh, uh, April Fool's Day? Uh-uh. Uh, he he uh, he was uh, <laughs> working out in the gym and said he was uh, announcing his his uh, comeback. <laughs> <laughs> but he also said that you know some of his uh, uh, stats have changed. He said you know he he uh, in his playing days was six nine, but he said he's six five now. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> His reach is a little bit less than it was. Yeah. <laughs> I generally, uh, you know, the internet has ruined April Fool's Day for me, so I generally hate it now. But um, mm-hmm. that was like a fun one, you know. It was, he's 87 years old, and he's he's uh, doing some fun stuff like that. That's pretty good. But in, in that uh, game that Elgin Baylor scored 61, Bill Russell put up uh, 26 and grabbed 29 rebounds. It's a very Bill <laughs> Russell game right there. Right. Probably had at least 12 blocks, too. Right? Yeah. Unrecorded. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I, I will link to some stuff. that his Just watching him play, just watching those old tapes, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, one of the quotes was, trying to guard him was like trying to guard a flood. Which I think is fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty solid. <laughs>